once you take less, it's always hard to get more. So when, when's a passing down? How fast do you guys need to get to the quarterback before he actually throws the ball? 2.5 seconds. 2.5. As a defensive lineman, you got 2.5 seconds to get to the quarterback or it's thrown. Unless the coverage is unreal or he just a bad bad play or bad routes or the O-lineman just gets out of there. But 2.5 seconds. If you can get there in 2.5 seconds, and that's crazy to think about, 2.5 seconds. Like your first two steps should take probably a, a second and a half. And then you need to beat the O-lineman clean and get around the corner in 2.5 seconds to get a sack. So getting a sack's pretty impressive to think about it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of guys, if you get one in game, you're a stud. Mm. A sack a game, you're a stud. And, like, honestly, as an alignment, right, if you get beat once or twice a game, you're a, a bad alignment or had a bad game. So it's weird how sacks have become such a thing nowadays, and defensive ends are getting paid so much money just to disrupt the quarterback. So I'm a big believer in this. Like, sacks are not just on the all lineman, right? It's a couple of factors like you mentioned that really play a factor into it. And I think if you're a good OC, you can almost scheme your way to make sure the ball's getting in your quarterback's hands efficiently to kind of give you make it harder for you guys to get there. Yeah. Um you don't want a bunch of deep routes all the time. You want to take your shots when you when you kind of see them and not take shots all the time. So um yeah, no, 2.5 is that's pretty quick. You know, we just got to hang on and not get beat and the ball should be out of there. Yeah. In, when you're as an offensive lineman, like I don't know much about the play calls. Like, do you know some play calls are going to be? I mean, some play calls are going to be longer than others. Like, obviously, a play action is going to be probably three seconds in there, right? Mm-hmm. And like, do you guys have quick plays, like longer plays? Like, do you know how long to block for certain plays? So good OCs. I've been on teams that didn't tell you, but good OCs or good O line coaches they'll they'll emphasize. Okay, this is a longer developing page, so you have to hold on a little bit longer. Um, usually when I hear those type of play calls, I'm not taking as much chances in terms of my set. Yeah, I'm going to be very clean, get to my angle, and use my hands. I'm not going to really switch up anything that could cause me to get beat quickly. Yeah. Um, and depending with the slide is coming to me or am I by myself, it will also depend on how I set that as well. Yeah. So on a play action, what's the normal more normal time for a quarterback to get the ball out? Um, we're hoping if we do run a play action that you guys are actually going to believe it's a run. Yeah. If you run the ball consistently, they we should get some action. The ball hopefully will get out, and maybe three seconds instead of two point five. Yep. Um, but that's that's kind of wishful thinking. If you guys bite on the play, the, somebody should be open pretty quickly. Yep. Um, if nobody bites, then it may take a little bit longer. Do you guys have any quick plays where you gotta like cut? Like I always see sometimes like we'll have like you guys some alignment will just have like a a quick step and then just straight cut the knees out. Mm-hmm. What's the purpose of that? So. Um, the purpose of that is this. It's probably a quick slant or a quick play. We want to try and get your guys' hands down. Okay. Right? So we're not necessarily trying to get you on the ground, but if we can get your hands down on our shoulders, yeah. um, kind of preventing your guys from getting cut yeah. so no one's actually jumping up and batting the ball. Like a person the, like Willie Jefferson, yeah. you got to get his hands down exactly, or stay yeah. engaged because he's going to stick his hands up. He's six foot six, six foot seven, yeah. and he's going to bat the ball down every time. I guess because those quick slants are more of like a direct throw. They're not lobbing it over yeah. anybody, right? Yeah. I understand that now. So that's kind of the thought process behind it. Not every single team does it. Yeah. Um, I think even when us and Edmonton, we don't really cut like that. We always just short set for the most part. Yeah. That could change in the future. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. 
right now that's kind of what it is to go off that 2.5 second sack like to get a sack in those 2.5 seconds to three seconds is like you have to make a clean move the great get off everything's just got to go perfect mm-hmm. a lot of times getting sacks is a break up breakdown in coverage i mean great coverage and or a breakdown in a route that didn't work or somebody just gets beat clean mm-hmm. and he's just the quarterback scrambling around the pocket and that's how you get your sack mm-hmm. or someone he's bullying him and he's got to get out of there normally sacks don't happen in 2.5 seconds yeah it's normally sacks happen in different ways yeah it's breakdown of the play yeah receiver on the wrong route the quarterback holds the ball great coverage nobody's open exactly miscommunication up front yeah that's usually when you guys get your more opportunities. And I find as a D lineman, that's when you really got to capitalize. Yeah. You can't have opportunities like that and, and miss sacks because you don't get those. Very often. Especially if you can play against a good offensive line or good offenses. Like, yep. They don't really make those type of mistakes often. One thing I saw this year where I learned is that um, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I think they had a really good offensive line this year. I think they were the best in sacks allowed and run game, weren't they? I have no clue. I'm pretty sure they were. And I think. Better in Montreal. But I know it was definitely. I think show. it's Winnipeg, but if it's not, I think mm-hmm. Winnipeg still has a decent alignment. They're always a good offensive line. Mm-hmm. But I learned that they um, set to where their quarterback sets. Mm-hmm. I learned that this year. So I guess like when they're kicking, they know how many step how many steps Caleros is taking, and they take almost the same amount of steps to make sure they protect him. They know where they are, mm-hmm. so they set for where he's going to be. They don't just go set. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about that? I've never heard of that. Before. I know. So That's we were cool. as a de- yeah as a defensive line, we were thinking about that, right? And mm. we were watching we were watching the film more and more, and like they don't just set it on their own. They're always setting to where the quarterback Claros is going to set, so they know if where if he runs them out too far, he mm. knows that he's not going to be there. Mm. So it was a good idea to like figure mm. it out in film. Oh, pretty cool. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird to figure that. Yeah, out. that's. Well, is, have you ever heard of that? I've never heard of that before. The set where your quarterback sets. I know we we have different sets in terms of where he's going to set up in the pocket. So deeper sets, I might have a deeper kick. Yeah. Shorter sets, like a quick, quick three step drop, I'll be more firm on the line of scrimmage. But um, unless the, he's rolling out or something, or he's going to a certain direction. We wouldn't even factor in where he's going to move in the pocket. Yeah. But I've always played with quarterbacks or move around. Like, you don't know where they're going to be back yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's like a Trey. Like, Trey, for the most part, is he'll sit there. But as soon as things break down, he's using his legs to get out of there. So Yeah. What do you um? What you think about the breaking news in Edmonton? Um, New quarterback. Very interesting. I can understand why they did it. Yeah. Right? I think this is a quarterback-driven league, and you can never have – it's like offensive alignment. You can never have too many good Canadian offensive linemen yeah. or too many good quarterbacks, right? Yeah. Um, especially, look, last year, how many starting quarterbacks went down at some point. So you need to have a couple of guys who are capable of playing. Um, MBT, he's a great cup champion. He's played a lot of football. Yeah. He's, well, yeah, he's a, great, he's a great quarterback. Yeah, he's a good quarterback, so – the the comments in like the how they're going it seems like they're kind of not trashing them but they're like saying free Trey Ford you know what I mean yeah it's like the Edmonton should be almost happy that they got a great quarterback mm-hmm. they got two great quarterbacks mm-hmm. and that's hard to get I see but it's it's fans though right yeah. obviously like as football people understand is you can never have too many good quarterbacks exactly like, you always want to have a couple of guys you always don't want to have just enough you want to have a you you also want to have three good quarterbacks you can because if someone gets hurt, you don't want to have to drastically shift the game plan or you want to have to be super run-focused because you can't move the ball otherwise, right? So Seriously. I think having a good veteran quarterback, and I think that he'll come in and he'll help Trey develop as well too and help him see the game through a different lens. Isn't Trey developed though? Didn't we see him go off last year, like lead the lead you no. guys to like four wins and like – No, Trey is good, but yeah. like – Quarterback's always going to keep on developing unless you're Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. No, I agree. Right? You I agree. keep on getting better, right? But for the fans that want Trey Ford to start, what are you telling them? Um, be patient. 
he will probably play at some point this year. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, I don't know the situation in terms of if they're actually going to be a battle, seeing how much they paid MBT. I doubt it will be that. But yeah. We'll see how it goes. And Trey's a dog. Trey's a baller. When that time comes for him to play, he will be ready and he'll show up and do what he does. Yeah. Do you think Jones just doesn't trust him or what? <laughs> you trying to get me cut over here? No, I'm just. That's a good um, question. That's a good. Um, I think Jones is, and one thing I've I've been around Coach Jones. He drafted me in 2016. He is a winner. Yeah. Anything that will he thinks will give him a better chance to win, he's going to do it. Like he doesn't really. Yeah, and it was a good. It was a good signing. It was a good signing. Right? Yeah. Um, I think they wanted a veteran quarterback. Um, someone who's been through a lot of games, who um, is battle-tested. Not to say that Trey is not any of those things, but he's still – and he's going to his third year in the CFL, right? Yeah. And he has not really been the day one starter yet in this league. Mm-hmm. And I think that Jones, those guys want to have give us the best chance right now to win, they believe, that's what a veteran quarterback who's not going to take as much growing pains as a young one would. So I've been looking at my reels lately, and I've been seeing, is lineman swag a thing? Good question. I think there is a thing to lime and swag, right? Yeah. And you have a couple different guys who have it in a different way. I'm looking at Orlando Brown, uh, how he's kind of swagged out. Yeah. On and off the field. Look at a Trent Trent Williams, the mm-hmm. long sleeves, how he, he kind of handles and dresses himself. Yeah. I'm not really a big fan of the bands and all the other things. Like, yeah, like a nice arm sleeve, maybe a long sleeve. How about a face mask? Like a dark face mask? Oh, yeah. I'm a visor guy, too. I rocked oh, the visor a couple times. Yeah. yeah, visor on an old lineman, if you're nice, is, is, precise. is, pretty, is pretty sick. So, What yeah. else on an old lineman? Mm. Like, what, what, what would stand out for just swag? Like, is too much a thing? And is- I, think, I think too much can be a thing. But I think it's, like, one of those things where if you dress, if your game day swag is nice and your game matches that, people respect it. I agree. But what happens if you're trash and you're just swagged out? Like, you have to be good to swag out? You have to be good to swag out. You have out. to be good to swag out. You can't out. be horrible and then going in there with with Jordan cleats yep. and all the bands on your arms and the single sleeve and all the different things. They'll be like, well, what's this guy's problem? So you got to upgrade your talents before you upgrade yeah. your swag. First thing is get the talent. Second thing is get the swag. That's funny, man, because I remember when I was in grade 9 and grade 10, man, I was wearing number 60 as a DN, right? <laughs> number 60. I had no swag. I would wear nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And I had no high socks, low socks, nothing. Wasn't even wearing gloves, right? Mm-hmm. Looked hilarious, mm-hmm. right? Then I kind of figured out, oh, so I'm not bad at this thing here, right? So I was like, next year, I was like, okay, I can't be 60. Yeah. Switch it up to 44. Wear some armbands. Wear some cl- mm-hmm. cool cleats, right? But you, it's true. You need to be good to wear, get swaggy. Yeah. Or it just doesn't make sense. There's some guys who, who, to my, and I can never do this, they go out there with the generic Madden swag. And I say that is when you first start to make a creative player, you don't put anything on them. No gloves. Yeah. No tape. No nothing. Just out there bare arms. It's like, bro, this guy here is... Those guys could be uh, savages. Though. They could be savages. Yeah. I played with a guy named Neela yeah. um, back at OU, and he never wore gloves. I think he wore gloves maybe one or two times, but in college, he was always just bare arms. Was he a fullback? No, he was an O lineman, a guard, oh. and he was a mauler. So, like, it fits some people, right? But, yeah. nah, I got to have at least a glove or something on, man. I remember this Florida State fullback back in the day, or, like, there, always, there was a fullback that would just wear no, nothing, and mm-hmm. he would just catch his balls. I don't mm-hmm. know who it was. I had to search it up, but. Florida State fullback. I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> you wear like number 35 or 40. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. He just wore nothing. That mm-hmm. was like the generic man. He's an O'Brien or something. I can't remember his name. But yeah, no, 100%. Forget what that is. Yeah. yeah. I think, especially 
all the different position groups. I think DBs, obviously, they're, they go the furthest when it comes to the swag. Yeah, even if they're good or not. They're going to go in, make sure their Instagram pictures are nice and everything over there. Out for the day. Yeah. I think Here's, they go too far sometimes. Yeah, facts. Here's a good question. You know, in high school, like you, you have to develop from grade nine to grade twelve. You develop your swag. Mm-hmm. Now, when you go to university, do you have to restart your swag all over again? You got to restart your swag. And, well, I think what kind of club you come in, right? Yeah, right? yeah. Like for instance, if you are uh, a freshman, usually, and if you're a high profile guy, you can probably pick your number that you want a little bit more. Yeah, they're not going to question you as much. But if you're like a unknown person trying to come in there and prove yourself you yep. better not go and grab that single digit nah you better not ask to go get a visor yeah you better not ask coach for all these different cleats and colors and stuff like that to draw attention to yourself until you know what you're doing do not draw any attention to yourself and the same thing happens when you go to the pros yep yep <laughs> go right that process all over again like, it's crazy so, mm. hey in the comments you guys let us know what your swag is what you guys like to wear in a game day what's the ultimate o-line d-line whatever position you play what's your ultimate swag for you, what do you think the secret to a successful bull rush is? Well, if you're you're bigger and stronger, you're mm-hmm. going to have a successful bull rush every time. Mm-hmm. But if you're an undersized guy going against a bigger old lineman, man, you got to get him like when he's not expecting it. Mm-hmm. You got to go speed, 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 then speed the power, mm-hmm. right? You got to get him on his tippy toes a little bit, like thinking you're going to speed him again, so he's got to open his hips and run you out. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he does that, you got to get right into his, his shoulder pads and then be explosive. Because mm-hmm. you know you're not going to be stronger than the offensive lineman, but mm-hmm. you got to convert your speed to power. Mm-hmm. And that's how you're going to win a good bull rush mm-hmm. when he's not expecting it when you hit him, right? Mm-hmm. Just like when you're in boxing, right? You get knocked out by the punch you didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly how you bull rush somebody for undersized people. If you're just a bigger dude, I'd bull rush that guy every time. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think as an old lineman when you get beat? How you get beat uh, when you get beat by a bull rush? Mm, I think it's angles. I think if you're a good DN, you can rush at different angles that will turn and, and dictate my set, right? Yeah. So speed to power is always the best way to bull rush i think mm-hmm. unless you're just a monster you can line up and run straight through somebody yeah if you look at the old nfl clips of like michael strahan and those guys yep. they will line up and just run through people every time every time but they're big six foot four six foot five L- 209 strong right? longer arms longer arms the football's not really like that anymore the dns now are turning into like the old school linebackers of that time yeah they're probably like two 45 to 250. Yeah. Up here, down there, they're like 270. 50, 270. And they're quick. They're athletic. Yeah. Um, so they can give you that speed and then go with the power afterwards. The best opportunity you have to get big linemen, I would assume, with yeah. is speed to power. Speed to power, right? Don't expect it. Um, set it up. Show speed. Show speed. Um, when your hips are open, right? I'm assuming, yeah. right? Because when mm-hmm. your hips are square, you can kind of take that power more. Yeah. If they're square, if I can see... And I'm square. I'm, I can pretty much sit down the bull rush against most people. If you're going speed, where I have to worry about flipping my hips, and that time I turn my hips, if you hit with the power, I don't yep. have anything to really like brace with. Yeah, I'm off the ground. I'm not really rooted into the ground right now. So you ever get caught? I've got caught in a bull rush a couple of times. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. If you, I, I think if you're playing football at the highest level, man, you're gonna get caught with a bull rush for sure. Because you going against people who are pretty good and they can set it up pretty well, right? So, yeah. You tail, you taking him down with you though? Nah, nah. Dep- <laughs> it all depends on the scenario because I feel like nothing's worse than like the beat, the sack, and then the hold. Like, yeah. That's like the trifecta of death for O linemen <laughs> because now they're gonna show on the replay who got the penalty, draw the attention to yep. you. Like you don't want to get the three. Like yeah, film um, room would be shit too the next day. Yeah, that was gonna be horrible. Yeah, you not only did you get beat, 
but you gave up the sack and you gave up a holding call. Oh my goodness! Have you have you ever had a game that you just went into the game and he was, there was a guy always bull rushing you and you just knew he had no other move but this bull rush? Um, I've met a couple people who know they're power rushers. Yeah, and you kind of just my game plan really is I'm going to take away what I think you're the best at. Mm-hmm. So if you're a power rusher, I'm going to cut my set. I'm going to take you on farther from the quarterback. Yeah, and if you want a bull, it's going to be okay. Tougher. Who's tougher at this point? Who has a little bit more juice in the tank? Like, do, do you like those games? Um, I think they're easier than somebody who's a little more quick and fast. Yeah. Because if, especially if I'm bigger and stronger than you, right? If you're a bigger, stronger Dean and like you're consistently rat, like rocking me back. Yeah. Then it's okay. Like I gotta figure something out here. Yeah. But if I'm bigger and stronger and just holding and sit on it. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Go off a bull rush. When I'm on special teams, I'm the guard on special mm. teams. And when it's like third and one in the CFL, the the team will leave their defense on there just in case we're, we're faking it, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm lining up. I'm literally a guard, right? Because beside our lawn snapper, which would be the center, mm-hmm. in front of two of the D tackles, mm-hmm. right? And then we're kicking back like an offensive lineman. Yeah. And these guys bull me every time. I get bull rushed almost all the way back mm-hmm. into the damn punter, man. <laughs> so before I go, every time I'm like, hey, yo, we're good, right? Like, just it's a playoff, right? I try to, like, be nice to them. Mm. <laughs> None of them, bro. They'll oh. just come right at me. Oh, yeah, especially. I remember, like, who has a really good bull rush, Jake? Oh, yeah, he, he, so, yeah. oh, bro, he grabbed my, he grabbed me, man, and just headbutted me, right? Yeah. And like I said in the other one, man, I got off it, and I was running, and he was right beside me. Yeah. That guy's a fast yeah. motherfucker. It's freak. And Good the freak. only guy that was kind of nice to me, man, it was last year, I was playing against McKenna Henry. Mm-hmm. He was on Edmonton, right? Yeah. And the only reason he didn't come, because he was just so tired, mm-hmm. right? He was just sitting there, he was like, yo, I'll just let but you go. But to be honest with you, that's the person you don't want to bowl you. When he, but he almost had a few punt blocks last year, too. So it's funny, I remember when Mac first got up here to the CFL, he came up here to Sask um, and um, we're doing one-on-ones and at this time he hasn't played football I think in like a couple of years Yeah, and all he knew how to do at this time was bull rush but like he has that mentality where he's going to bull rush you and not stop. Right? No, he's a freak. So, like, you'll bull, you'll sit it down, and you think at some point in one-on-ones he would, like, let up and stop. Yeah. He would not let up and stop. He would keep pushing and pushing and pushing. I'm like, yo, where's the whistle? Is this over yet? And he would just try and bull rush you all the way back into the, the quarterback every single time if he can. Watching film um, with Mac is the funniest stuff. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, Mac, what are you doing? Him, I've <laughs> seen him do some crazy, crazy. things on the field. <laughs> like, I remember one time we were playing, what is it, Winnipeg? It was a goal line situation. And you know, most times goal line situation, everybody's kind of submarining low. Yeah. He stands up damn near straight. He takes on the guard in the center with like, both of his hands, <laughs> stuffs it. Throws the guard to the side, makes a tackle for for like a stop in a situation. Yeah. I look back, I'm like, bro, this guy is a different animal. No, he's different. I'm surprised he's not playing anymore either. I guess he's 36. Yeah, he's he's getting he's up there now. in age, man. But yep. no, Mac, he's a legend. And those who know Mac Henry, and he's the, one of the funniest things. He's the greatest guy in the community. The greatest person, you like meet. greatest guy in the community. Yeah. So shout out Mac. Shout out Mac Henry. He's a monster, but he's a great dude. Monster. Now that we're playing professional football, I want to talk a little bit of how we actually got to be professional athletes what caused you to play football in the first place i don't know i think my parents just put me into the game honestly i was like seven or eight Mm -hmm. right and i remember even going to practice at seven eight and i hated it Mm -hmm. i put on my helmet and i couldn't even buckle up my chin strap Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i literally put it on and i couldn't get this thing on right so it was like most embarrassing thing because when i had it on i knew i couldn't take it off because i couldn't put it back on Mm -hmm. so when all these kids all my buddies were like taking water breaks they're taking their helmets off and they're drinking water I have my helmet on still, 
trying to like squirt water through my thing, just feeling embarrassed, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember I went home and I'm like, I hate football. I hate football, right? And my mm-hmm. parents just kind of like said, no, you're sticking through it. You're sticking through it. And I remember the whole year I still hated it, right? But the one thing I was good at was just running over people. Mm-hmm. Like I remember I was an old lineman and our running back got hurt. Mm. and they needed a running back right so they, they had all the our old linemen and we're all sitting in a row and like the fastest guy got to be the running back mm. and i was like no way right so i was the fastest old lineman when i was eight or nine years old and they put me at running back and i remember just trucking kids man all year like literally dropping kids and my dad was just laughing and that's what made me enjoy football the contact of it the fact that I could just go out there and run some dude over, mm. right? And that was just like the adrenaline, like this is happening, this is happening, boom, mm. boom, boom, right? And it wasn't even from a defensive perspective. It was from playing running back. Mm. So that's where I fell in love with the game. What about you? It's funny because I actually started playing football a little bit later. I didn't play football until I got to grade nine. Oh. Yeah. So my parents are from the Caribbean, so soccer was something that we kind of started playing out first soccer track and field my aunt ran olympics so track was really a big thing i wanted to kind of try and do yeah um basketball obviously i was tall so people like, oh yeah play basketball but when you're here in canada that age you're playing the big you're not playing anything else other than the center it's different now but back then yeah if you were the tallest on the team you were the center no matter what your skill level was yeah i um, remember that too i was like a six three center yeah which like you can't go do anything with that after no, if you're doing that. Not at all. So it came to the point where I was going to high school. My older brother had went and he started playing football in grade nine, and he's one of the best like players in the area. Oh, so I actually happened just to go um, to like a little, I guess, pre-football season like preview if you want to play or not meetings. Yeah, and I remember like one of the coaches being like, "Yeah, hey, you're Joel's brother, right?" I'm like, yeah, he's like, yeah, you're playing football. You don't have a chance. You don't have a choice. You have to play. So the coach just made you play football then? Yeah, he was pretty much like, yeah, you're playing football. So yeah, um, I gave it a shot. I wanted to play. Um, at this time, I was decently tall, but I was skinny. I wasn't really big at this time. Mm-hmm. So I started playing tight end at first. So that was my main position. I played tight end from the ninth grade all the way to 11th grade. Oh, you did? Yes. So why they put you at tight end and not O-line? Um... Because I wanted to play tight end. Oh, you was, told them? Yeah, I was athletic too. Like I could okay. run. It wasn't really until I was in grade eleven, and my brother, we were playing on the same high school team this time. He was playing left tackle, and our right tackle at the time, I think he hurt his back or he couldn't play for our game. Like, oh, okay, we'll just put you to O line for this game, and yeah, like we'll move you back to tight end when he gets back. And safe to say, I never made it off the line of scrimmage ever since then. Really? Yeah. Were you sad? Um, I wasn't necessarily sad, but like we, we obviously at that age, who wants to play O line? Really? Yeah. Like, Were you even catching touchdowns at tight end though? Not, not really. Yeah. Blocking tight end for the most part. Okay. But like I like the ability to go on and around every once in a while. So what made you fall in love then? What was what was the factor there? It wasn't to my senior year, um, of high school. I remember we played our last game, and I remember we were playing our rivals too. I was playing, um. All line at this time, I'm moving to D-Tac. I'm playing all over the place at high school. You know, like, you play everywhere pretty much. Yeah. And I remember just making a bunch of tackles and really being like, yo, like, this cannot be the end of my football career. I have to play after this. Okay. Because previous to this, I really had no plans of playing in college. Really? No, not at all. I was like, oh, I'm going to play football a couple of years and go to get a trade and get a job. I wasn't really focused really? on playing at the next level of football. Did your brother go play college football? No, my older brother didn't actually. He was done too. My other brother went to college. I was the next one. It wasn't really until my senior year where I was like, okay, I think I do want to play football. I remember going home during Christmas break and 
during that time, you see a lot of like bowl games happening yep. for NCAA. I remember watching a bowl game, like, yo, this looks sick. Like, this is fun, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I want to do this. And I remember just figuring out what I could possibly do to be able to go and play college football. And cool, that's kind of how I got into it, man. As a D lineman, um, what helps you recognize whether it's a play action or to be able to read and react to exactly what's going on, run pass, play action? One thing that I've learned in the play action and how to like decipher if he's really run blocking me or if it's just a pass play is his weight. How much weight is he putting on me? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, if it's a run play, he's coming off the ball and coming off the rock and he's trying to smash me. You know what I mean? He's trying to put me in the ground, he's mm-hmm. trying to move me. In a play action, he's coming off the ball a little bit, but then he's stopping. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then he's not putting too much weight on you and he's just going to grab you a little bit. Mm-hmm. As soon as I feel that, then I'm completely switching into a pass rush mm. and that's how i decipher decipher the play action yeah, that's pretty that's pretty, pretty yeah, that's how i do it normally what, what, would, what how do you how do you think the guys figure it out so for i would assume the same thing for me especially when i'm selling a play action run or i'm actually run blocking it's going to be where i actually leverage my hands if that makes sense yeah right so if it's a play action i'm probably going to come out i want to Almost stomp to show like I'm gonna run past. Yeah. And as soon as I see your hands extend into my chest, I'm gonna grab the outsides of your shoulders. I'm just gonna squeeze and not let you go, pretty much. Yeah. And then move my feet with you. So in a run, in run, you're normally gonna you're gonna drive them out normally. In a run, I'm gonna try and fit my hands inside. Yeah. And drive or no? And drive. Yeah. Right. So I think that's where I feel it. When you're driving, I understand I gotta mm-hmm. anchor down here. And when you're not driving, I need to transition to a pass rush. Yeah. So most people, if I'm and I'm gonna say most O linemen, because where we wanna grab generally is different especially in run and pass yeah but in this situation if if you're going against a lineman i will say look for it on tape play action if he's grabbing outside usually mm-hmm. and if it's a run play he really generally wants to be inside yeah so if you see his hands tight probably run probably if run. see his hands outside probably play action but there's different offensive linemen and different techniques how linemen yeah. do it right so you got to study your guy you have to study that i'll say that's not a hundred percent for every single one you go against no but I would say that's something if you're watching tape and you're kind of seeing, okay, tells about how do he does certain things, that's a good tell. Yeah. yeah. Especially, for instance, um, for you guys, one thing I look at is where your hands go if you guys are actually taking on a run or unless you guys are stunting back inside. Right? Mm-hmm. So I look at your hands. If your hands are like here to catch the, the run block, yeah. usually you're staying outside. If I see your hands like this, you're probably playing back inside. You're trying right? to cut back inside. So that's a tell that as an old lineman, I'm I'm looking to see when I'm coming off the ball as well. Yeah. If I see your hands like this, okay, I can accelerate because I know you're probably going to try to play the block. Mm-hmm. If I see your hands down, it's like, okay, he's not going to play the block. I might have to decelerate here and may have to move my feet or, or push him out wide at a different angle. Right? I, yeah, I agree. I have a question for you. How do you, why is there different old lineman sets and why do different guys have like a high puncher? Why do dudes low punch and why do guys like kind of like wide punch it sometimes? Um, that's a good question. I think it's just as old lineman development has changed over the years. Yeah. Depending on who your coach is, they'll teach you different things. Right? Oh, okay. So you can kind of generally see what family or what thought a person comes from generally of what they try to do. I am not really a grabber. I'm a puncher for the most part. Yeah. I'll grab you in certain instances, but I'm always going to try and strike, punch. If I get a good punch and I can stick, then I'll grab you then. But, but for the most part, it's going to be punch. Did that come from a coach or did that come from preference? That came from both. So a coach that taught me and then me also implementing it and then working for my game. Okay. Sometimes people, if you don't have long arms, I would say you probably want to be more of a grabber. Yeah. Right? Let them get in close to you. 
grab, move your feet, right? So it's it's about a how 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 you are as a person, your athletic abilities, yeah. how you're built as an offensive lineman, mm-hmm. and how it develops you into how you're setting and how yeah. you punch and how you're a technique. Certain things work better for certain people. Yep, and that's why I always say like you watch a lot, try a lot, especially when you're a young age in high school. Try to see what works for your game, right? Mm-hmm. Because not all, not everything your coach teaches you in terms of technique is going to work for your body type. Exactly. Just like you wouldn't have a, a 300-pound guy being a speed rusher. It just doesn't work for him. That's it just won't game. work for him, even if he wants to be one. Even if he wants to be to the bottom of his heart. It won't work out. not his game. Right? No. So once you understand that and you find different techniques, different things that work for you, um, and you think that, okay, I have this, I can actually implement my game, then sharpen it now. Now I'm working on it. Now my, I'm more accurate with my outside hand. I'm more... Um, my outside is quicker. I can yeah. punch harder, right? Like I think that's a big thing: finding your technique young and figuring out what works for you at yeah. a young age, so you can develop it. Because we're always developing, even 100%. right now as a pro, we're still trying to figure out our stuff. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's one of those things where, in pro sports, for the most part, we're always trying to get better. There's nobody yeah. out there who's being like, "Oh, well, I've arrived. I've, I don't have to improve my game at all." Mm-hmm. Even at the highest level, even like guys like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, these top end quarterbacks, probably the, some of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever played. I guarantee you, till the time they were done, yep. they're consistently trying to get an edge, trying to get better, trying to work on their game, and that it proves the same when it comes to offensive line, defensive line, all the different positions. You have to always work on your game and sharpen your tools all the time. I agree. Just as everything in life, everything in life, man. Yep. Football is the best mirror for life, man. Everything you have to do to get better in football, it can be mirrored to life hundred percent of the time. It is. I couldn't agree more. One thing being a defensive lineman and it probably goes the same as offensive lineman was i've always been told you need to weigh more you need to gain weight you need to be bigger mm-hmm. and like it's always been so hard for me to gain weight what advice would you give to young offensive lineman young defensive lineman on mm. gaining weight i think that's an important lesson for for young old linemen i think there's a number of ways you can do it but the most healthy way you can gain weight is by proper dieting and lifting weights. Yep. You definitely want to do that. Don't. I remember when I got some advice, people were like, oh, just start eating a bunch of food and you'll gain weight, which is true somewhat, but it's not just food. It's the particular food you want to eat. Yeah. So a little story for you. When I got to OU, I was like 320 pounds. The first year that I got there, I had to redshirt. They're like, hey, your body fat percentage is too high. We want it to be at this level. We're going to probably tear you down and build you back up to mm-hmm. a more healthy weight. So my first semester there, I went from 223, 224 pounds, 300, sorry, and 23, 324 pounds to 280, 275, 280 in a semester. Jeez. Off what? Working out. Okay. And just dieting. Yeah. So we actually had a section um, in heading to Hall, our, our dorms, where we had um, a cafeteria, and our nutritionist would go in there and eat with us during our meals. So if you're on a weight loss she will go and make plates for you and if she saw you eating anything that wasn't appropriate she would take your plate she would throw it out and she'd be like go make it again or she'll wow. make it for you right yeah it's serious some like, div one stuff right there yeah, div one stuff but you'll go in there and there was different like symbols so anything that was red is like um high in fat and then the yellow is like okay and then red is like don't eat basically right yeah so they'll be like hey if you're on weight loss you should be only eating stuff that has the greens you don't should you shouldn't be anything that has anything that's red and maybe occasional yellow you can have so we had to design our plates based on that okay i lost a bunch of weight and now it's time for me to put it back on so just because of how much we run and lift that was something that was hard i remember i was walking and i was going to a meeting and i only had like one little sandwich in my my um, offensive coordinator, Coach Heupel, he's the head coach of Tennessee now. He's like, you're trying to put on weight. Why do you only have one sandwich right now? Yeah. Go get another sandwich. And these guys made me basically, after workouts, taking these protein shakes, 
Um, they would have little packs of like cashews, little packs of like Rice Krispies, different things. Like you have to be eating all day, basically. all the time. So not like you're going to like eat a bunch of big meals, but taking like some peanuts, cashews, different snack bars, and in class you're snacking on it all the day, all the time. Yeah. And through working out and taking protein, I was able to get my weight up to like three oh five, three ten wow. within probably seven, eight months. So Jeez. Yeah. good weight. Good weight. My body fat percentage was 18% of that time. So, Do you think you could have done that without being in a Div 1 school and these people really keeping you accountable? Um, I think anything is possible. It's just harder. It's harder. Right? Yes. I think when you're at a Div 1 school, it's easier because they're literally baby feeding you all this stuff. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have to think about it. I had someone constantly reminding me about it. Every time they saw me, I didn't have a snack in my hand. They're like, "Why don't you have a snack in your hand? Yeah, go get some cashews." I'll have to go to the to the snack bar, and they would have a little packet full of stuff for me. Like they they made sure that that was the case, right? But, I agree. Yeah. Um, if you're a person who doesn't have that situation, but you want to put on put on weight, maybe it looks like you asking your parents, "Hey, can you get me some of these snacks I can take to to school during the day?" Yeah. Um, maybe during. Um, breaks or going between class, you get a handful of peanuts, half of the cashews. I don't know what your school regulations are on peanuts yeah. or stuff like Have that. Have them on hand. Have them on hand. Always snacking, always be eating. And yeah. get into like a gym program. Especially at the high school time, when it, get somebody who actually knows who's knowledgeable. But I find at that time in your life, your gains are never going to be as high as they are now. Right? No, never. And I, one thing I would always say with mm-hmm. all those things you're saying from food to the gym is you need to be consistent. Consistency is key. Well, you can't just snack every third day or every second day like you think you're going to gain weight. You need to do that every day mm-hmm. for seven months. Every single day every for seven months. single day. And for the gym, you need to do and be on path for like four to five times a week. And when you're resting, you need to take those rest days off because mm-hmm. some people are not even going to the gym and there's some people overworking out mm-hmm. and then they don't see gains. Mm-hmm. So it's all about being consistent and having a good plan mm-hmm. and just that's i think how you're going to get bigger no i agree yeah 100 as a d lineman how does your technique change when a short yardage or like a goal line situation well if i'm in there man hopefully i'm looking at the sideline and i'm like hey guys it's third and one third and inches um maybe get me out here because i'm a 230 defensive end right yeah. so i'm like even pete man even pete this year i remember looking at him and he would when he was short yardage he's looking for christmas to come in mm-hmm. and pete's still like 250 Right. Yeah. So when I'm in there and I'm, I'm forced to be on third, third and one in preseason and, and stuff like that, and I'm, they're making me do it, I'm just torpedoing, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's my mindset. Like I'm not. I, like the big D tackles might take two, but if I'm an undersized guy, I'm torpedoing, torpedoing those legs, mm-hmm. and it sucks because you're stuck underneath the pile. But it sucks more when you're trying to take two guys like yourself on, mm-hmm. and then you're five yards back in film. Mm-hmm. Worst thing that could happen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I recognize most of you guys, all you guys summering that legs, which is annoying. I get my what, knees cut up and yeah. stuff like that. What do you think about us summering you guys? Um, it's, It is what it is. Usually we tell our quarterback, if you're going to do that, just go over top. We'll just fall on top of you guys. Yeah. But you do have the occasional d lineman who will try and, like, stay up. I know. What do you think about those dudes? I tip my hat to them. Yeah. They take that butt whipping like a man. I, I tip my hat to them. Miles We're going to run year? off the ball. We're going to run off the ball and try and just mash you guys. Yeah, for sure. But I think if you really want to make a stand, that's probably the best case scenario. And you guys had a good one against us this year, to be honest with you. The first game of the year? The first game of the year. And yeah. mo- the first time we did it, um, a bunch of you guys stayed up, and we kind of expect you as a submarine. The second time you guys stayed up, we we mashed you guys in the end zone, but they ran the ball to the opposite the side. Well, you guys also played 5R at goal line. <laughs> Sorry, for all three plays. <laughs> Let's just run 5R, guys, and yeah. run the ball every and it's time. It's funny because as soon as that happened – 
the next week we put in um elephant and rhino packages. We took all the receivers off there and put a bunch of bigs in the game now. That could have won you the game, honestly. We should have won that game. You should have won that game, yeah. We should have won that game. But you didn't uh lucky, to be yeah. honest with you. I think to be honest with you, if we would have won that game, that would have changed our season. Changed a lot. Because I think that um during camp we actually I've been in a lot of camps. That was a pretty good camp that we had actually. Yeah. Um the D line, all that we were working consistently every day. It was like it was competitive, we were grinding. I think that we had a young team. I think we had, like, the youngest team in the CFL. And when we didn't win that first game, I think it knocked our confidence a little bit. Yeah. I think if we would have won that first game and understood what it took to win in the CFL, um, we would have progressed a lot faster. You know what knocks your confidence, though, a little mm. bit? Guaranteeing a win. Yeah, I hear and that. And then losing that game. But we should have beat you guys that game. But Let's be what's, real. what's the point of guaranteeing anything? Um, I in think the, professional sports and professional and just business and life, you shouldn't be guaranteeing anything. I think it was more sort of like a thing for the city and the media. Remember, yeah, we had I a agree. losing streak at this time. Right? I agree. That's why it was. It was. The, it wasn't like our coach was like, "Oh, we guaranteed." Like we didn't. We, that I was know. The messaging. I know. I'm just. But I think during this time, we took it. I was playing you guys all week. We were like. They're guaranteeing this win. And we should have beat you guys. That's the funniest part about it. We actually should have beat you guys. I know, but like, what do you think about that? What do you think about people guaranteeing stuff, just in life in general? I think the confidence is good, man. But like, if you're going to stand up there and guarantee it and you don't follow through, you have to be able to take it on the chin. When yep. people say, like, you did this, you did that, you guaranteed this. Yeah, we guaranteed we lost. That's yep. what you got to be able to stand on that. I agree with that. I think that um, it's... Gives up the team bulletin board material, which in pro sports is actually a more powerful thing than you would believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that not giving other teams uh, an extra motivation to beat up on you, which everybody at the end is pro sports. We're all trying to win. Like, yeah. Nobody's going out there like, oh, I don't know if we're going to win this week. Right? We're all trying to go out there and win their game. Yeah. But I think giving them a little extra motivation at that time is something that's tough. I remember even when I was in SACS and we played um, – Edmonton during the blackout game when I was there, yeah. and they came and beat us at home. I remember this, the look on Coach Joel's and those guys' face when they beat us here. They were over the moon. That me being in Edmonton and coming back in that same game and beating you guys this year was like, yeah, it's my first game back. I just left from injury. It broke my hand. Yep. I just came back. So I was really excited about um, um, being able to play in Regina, obviously, because I live here now. Yep. And um, to go and beat you guys in that game was like, yeah, like – that was like this. Everything is okay for me at this point. And we both missed the playoffs this year. Yeah, Fuck sucks. <laughs> when you were getting recruited, what was the big thing when it came down to choosing the school you wanted to go to? For me, it was such a new process coming from um, Canada. We were not really prepared in terms of like, okay, you're going on a recruiting visit. That's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be looking for. Yeah. So I kind of went with the open mind of like, okay, well, let's see how much fun I have on this visit, and let's see if it's where I'm gonna go. And it was funny because the the visit I actually had the most fun on was Texas Tech. I remember at them, I ended up like verbaling to them. I was supposed to go to Texas Tech. Yeah. Just maybe breaking news a bunch of people. I was supposed to go there instead of OU. Wow. And I think the coaching staff, uh, Tuberville, Toby Tuberville, I think his name was, they ended up leaving going to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So once that happened, my recruitment kind of opened up again. But one thing that somebody told me on my OU visit that kind of stood out to me was understand what is real. So when you go on a visit, especially Division One school, they take you to the nicest steakhouses. You go out and have a fun time. You stay in the nicest hotels. They make sure your your trip is perfect for you. People are kind of serving you hand and foot to make sure like they don't sway you in a way that you would not want to go to that school. And I remember this guy told me something. He was like, hey, 
understand what is real. You're never going to eat that steakhouse again because you don't have any money. You're never going to stay at a hotel again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're A lot of the things you're doing, that's not going to be your daily life. Really look into what your daily life is going to be at that school. So that's probably my biggest advice. Yeah. Whether you're going to a big Division one school or any other program, find out what your daily life is going to be. Yeah. Right? Um, get close to who you're going to be spending the most time with, which is going to be your strength and conditioning coach, your position coaches. Head coach, generally, you're not going to be around them that much. So what gave you OU those vibes? Um, the sense of family was was pretty good there. Okay. Um, people generally seem to care. Mm-hmm. Um, the tradition of the place. Um, football was a big deal. Um, our strength and conditioning program was one of the best in the country from what I've heard. Yep. Um, so all those different things and that talk with that guy, he kind of was like, yeah, well, like – this is what it's going to be, and this is what you have to base your decision off of. And any other place I've been to, they just try to take you, hey, come out at night and go have fun and do different things like that. So I didn't really have a good understanding of what my daily life would be there. Yeah. So I think that's really made me choose OU in that situation. I understood when I got up in the morning to the time I went to bed at night what my day would look like, and then I had to kind of wrestle with that. Is this something that I, I think is fits for me? And I made a chance to go to OU. Awesome, man. That's a really cool journey. What about you, man? What What was your recruiting vis- um, business stuff like? I never got any um, states offers. Mm-hmm. I think the only offer I got was from North Dakota, and they gave me like 50%. Mm-hmm. But going to the states, it was still like 20000 a year. Mm-hmm. right? So I could never do anything like that where where I was coming from. But I did get ev- like almost every offer in Canada. Mm-hmm. right? So I did remember going all the recruiting trips. And just like you said, going to have fun. Mm-hmm. right? Like, I just took this chance to go on like six or seven recruiting trips around Canada. I kind of just enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I should have probably really paid more attention to it mm-hmm. back in the day. But at the end of the day, man, I was... Um, I wanted to stay closer to home. Like I could have went anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, then I just saw that my high school coach, my defensive coordinator, he was my team candidate coach, my provincial coach, which would state coach. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up being the Rams coach, the, the university coach for my home team. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I saw that, it was more comfortable. It was like, I know this guy's system. I know everything. They don't have great D linemen. I'm just going to there, go there and hopefully make a name for myself. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up working out, right? I ended up being a uh, rookie of the year my first year there and, and ended up starting right away as a freshman. Mm-hmm. So the plan did work out. So I would say to people, you can go to the best schools. You can go to the Westerns. You can go to Laval's in Canada mm-hmm. or go to the best schools like Alabama and um, Michigan right now. O- Oklahoma. Michigan, <laughs> Oklahoma right now, right, in the States. But at the end of the day, if you know you might not start your first two years – you can go make a name for yourself on a lower team, right? And then at the day, you can transfer after you make a name for yourself, or you can stay there and make a name for yourself and be that guy. Mm. But people can make pro from anywhere. Yeah, It doesn't matter where you go. You mm. can be a professional if you put in the work and put in the great film. Yeah, I think you hit the, head, the nail on the head right there. I think development is the thing that is the most important thing. Yeah. The logo on the side of your helmet or on your jersey, it'll matter for the first week. But after that is, can you go and develop at the place you want to go, right? Like, yeah. Am I going to become a better person, a better uh, student, and a better athlete where I'm going? I think that should be probably the top-weighted things, whether it's a uh, high Division one, whether it's uh, Laval or one of those programs, whether it's um, – some place that's like USC in California, that stuff is okay. But when it generally comes to what your ultimate goal is, is to develop to be a come uh, NFL, CFL, 
or whatever pro league you want to play in, it's very important that you go to a place that you can actually develop so you can get an opportunity. Because yep. it doesn't make a difference if you go to Laval and you don't really get developed and then you're done playing football in three years, right? Exactly. So I think that's the most important part I would say is go to some place you feel you can get developed and you understand what your daily life is going to be. Yeah. How about going back now since we have our, we're in the professionals, we understand a bunch of stuff now. If you could go back in the day and you had a, a choice to go to like a really high school red shirt for like four years and only play that last year mm-hmm. or go to a really low-end div two school and play every every season know what i know now go to the div two yeah because if you want to go the most important thing i would say in development is actually playing like you can do a bunch of drills you can do a bunch of stuff in the weight room that stuff is going to help but you need experience. In-game reps. In-game reps. Yep. That's what's going to progress you the fastest in terms of improving your game, right? I agree. It doesn't make much sense to go to a place if you're barely going to play. If yep. you want to go to a place um, that's going to develop you the fastest, a place you're going to play usually is going to be the best place to go. Exactly, right? yeah. And sometimes it may look like you go into a lower-level team or it may look like go into a uh, not a team who's as stacked like an Alabama, yeah. but you actually have the opportunity to get on the field, get game reps, developed, be in some situations, make some mistakes, right? You go to Alabama, you make a couple of mistakes, depending on who you are, you may not be in there yeah, no more, right? You're out. You go to a team that's a little bit lower, you may have more of a leash to make some mistakes and improve your game. So I think that's really important. I think that's the biggest thing I would give advice to who are doing now. Exactly. And even to the drills you do, like some drills you don't need to be doing. Like know what your position is doing. Know what you do every day in game and just do that. Mm -hmm. It could be as simple as just doing the basics in your drills and just repeating those every day Mm -hmm. and you'll become a better person in your position. 100%. So just with stuff like that too, I've learned. Like like, there's a lot of stuff back in the day where I was doing a bunch of stupid drills, Mm -hmm. right? And now that I'm understanding like, oh, I should just be doing the basics, Mm -hmm. right? Like hands on mm-hmm. every time. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's for me as all linemen too. And there's a bunch of stuff out there. And I think just keep it simple, man. Set, hand usage, strength, um, learning how to hit bags appropriately, getting your hands tight, staying low in your pad level. Those are the, probably the best things I would say for you to do on a daily basis to really improve your game the fastest. And get competition. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the offseason, don't be by yourself thinking that you're getting better by yourself. Compete with people. Mm-hmm. Have people that push you and that you fail. Mm-hmm. If you're failing in the offseason, you're getting better because mm-hmm. you're not going to fail when it comes to camp and then learn from camp experiences. Mm-hmm. You're learning from experiences that you learned in the offseason mm-hmm. that you know when camp comes that, oh, I've learned from this already. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to embarrass myself in a film in camp and in front of the big guys. Mm-hmm. So. 100%. I know you guys have spidey senses that sometimes come up how do you guys sniff out screens what do you guys see where you see a screen or a draw play that allows you to kind of sniff it on go make a play if it feels too good pull out Mm. (laughs) (laughs) this is something that i've learned from a coach from university man that stuck with me forever Mm. if you beat an o-lineman so clean right it feels so good like oh my god i just roasted this o-lineman right Mm. i'm getting the sack you probably didn't roast him that great, mm-hmm. right? Something's going on here, mm-hmm. right? He probably let you go by to throw the screen over top. So it feels just like you're the dude. That doesn't happen way too often, mm-hmm. right? So if you beat this guy way too clean and you feel like something's up, those were the spidey senses that come in. We're like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. It's a screen. Put your foot in the dirt. Try to find the running back. 
as a defensive end. As a D tackle, you're kind of the first one to hopefully find that screen out because you're taking two guys on, hopefully, and you're mm. right at the line of scrimmage, and then hopefully you see this running back and then mm. get him. If it's not the D tackle, hopefully it's a man coverage and a linebacker just has him right away. Mm. If it's if it's a zone coverage and all the D linemen thinking we're just roasting these old linemen, mm-hmm. it's going to be a bad play. Mm. So feels too good, pull out, baby. Yeah, makes sense though. Makes sense. I actually played with a D lineman while I was in um, college, and he seemed like he always would sniff out a screen. I don't know what it was. He just had a spotty sense. Those Jedi reflexes, he just sniffed it out every single time. Was he a good pass rusher? He was a really good pass rusher. Okay. Yeah, he played in the NFL for a little bit. He's coaching now at, I think, he just got a job at Colorado State, so he's a D-line coach there. But, yeah, he just did a really good job of always sniffing out screens. I don't know what it was. I never actually got a chance to ask him. Probably just locking down the running back. Yeah. Seeing where he is a little bit, right? Because normally if he was a D-tackle, mm-hmm. right? So a D-tackle, normally when you're pass rushing, you're taking two guys, mm-hmm. the center and the guard mm-hmm. as a nose tackle. So you're not getting too much pressure. So hopefully you're right at the line of scrimmage, right? And you're just kind of hopefully get off quickly and go mm-hmm. find him. He's probably quick laterally. Yeah. Oh, he's pretty quick laterally. So he's one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of the times I, I said, was he a good pass rusher? Because a lot of guys, the tackles who sniff out those screens, mm-hmm. sometimes aren't really trying in their pass rush right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Or they're, they're gassed. And they're like, oh, God, I'm gassed. And stay on the line of scrimmage and then get lucky. You know what I mean? Pick up the screen. Mm-hmm. So. What do you think the key is to maintaining peak performance during the game as a D-line is? When it's your time to take a break and your your other guys are in, take that break. You know what I mean? Make sure you're getting your water. Make sure you're taking breaths. Don't just sit there so anxious to get back in the game like your heart's still going. Mm-hmm. You need to get your heart down a little bit when you get to the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And for a special teamer especially, when you're running every 30 seconds in the CFL, mm-hmm. you got to make sure when you're on the sideline, you're taking your breaks and you're taking your breaths and you're just sitting there and making sure you're in the presence of the moment. Because you can't always be jacked up, man. Mm-hmm. you got to be cool and collective sometimes. Because mm. if you're jacked and jacked up on the sideline and yelling and screaming, you're, use, you're using energy. So when mm. you go out there, you're secretly not knowing that you're using that energy. And then mm. you're tired when you get out there. Mm. So when utilize your breaks. When you get out there, take your 30 seconds, take your big breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth. Get your water. And then when you're ready, go by coach. Let them know you're ready to get subbed back in. Mm. What's your, what do you, because as an alignment, you don't really get subbed out. You don't get subbed out, man. So what do you do to maximize your conditioning out there? Um, Obviously, preparation in the offseason is huge. You want to definitely go into camp in shape. But I think O-line and D-line is one of those unique positions where you can't necessarily get fully into shape for O-line and D-line. You can get in pretty good shape. But when you start practicing and grappling that's a different type of conditioning it gets used so in camp you generally get like that second level it but one thing i've really tried to really improve on and it helps a lot is learning how to breathe correctly yes breathing is a huge thing that nobody really talks about breathing through the diaphragm the chest and out through the mouth um i try to between every single play take at least four or five really good breaths yeah through the nose all through in mouth no sorry out through the mouth yeah so Get diaphragm, chest, fill it with air, out through the mouth. Get at least four or five of those. Yeah, I'm generally pretty good. Good to go to the next play. Yeah, that's breathing's the biggest part. Mm-hmm. I have a funny story on special teams in Canadian football. You're running a lot because there's no fair catches. The field's way bigger than the NFL, and um, there's only three downs, right? So there's it's not three and out. It's two and out, mm-hmm. right? So two and out. Offense goes out there. It's two and out. We got a punt, right? So punt teams running out there. We run sixty yards. Try to tackle this dude. 
We go back out, take a little break. If defense gets a two and out, we're back out there within mm. at least 45 seconds a minute. And that can go on through a period of time. Mm. So one time I was so gassed, man, coming off the field, right? And normally you go to your section on the sideline. Like there's the D-line, the O-line, the wide receivers, the DB. I was so gassed, man, that I sat right beside the O-line, right? Mm. And I had my head down. I was just trying to figure it out, trying to breathe, right? Because I was so gassed. Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, all the O-linemen just sat beside me. Because that's where they were sitting. They had to talk about their cover, their, their O-line stuff yeah. and everything. And then I didn't even realize it, but I was collapsed by O-linemen. And then the coach coming here yelling at the offensive lineman. And I couldn't move, right? So I was like, I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right? And then I mm. got out of there. And then the guys were like, what the fuck? What, what, you, what, what were you doing there daily, mm. right? I was like, boys, I just needed a break, yeah. right? But it was the funniest moment in my entire life, man. Yeah. Nobody cared. No, man. It was like, who is this guy? Well, What's this time, guy doing right depending now? Depending on what just went on the field, if it was a bad series probably getting cussed out they were getting cussed out yeah. so they didn't even notice me at the time no one's even saying but attention. at the end daily <laughs> <laughs> hilarious hilarious bro it's actually funny oh man even like this year we had a buddy we had named tj you don't know if you know tj he was a beauty um special team this year he receiver was, he was a linebacker sam linebacker mm-hmm. a huge hit against bc this year oh i'm talking about yeah but i don't, I don't beauty know beauty guy really good guy right his first year's playing special teams on canadian football his first game he was just chundying on the sideline because he was up. so gassed. Yeah. <laughs> we were just laughing. Yeah. I don't think people really get it. Until you're in it. Until you're in it. No, no. Yeah, yeah. If you think you're conditioned too in the offseason, you had the best condition I was running, you're still not conditioned until you play five games. Yeah. Four games. That's when you really get into shape, really. And it's like, oh. Yeah. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. Unless you're like doing some crazy things in the offseason. Right? Exactly. As a D lineman, how do you navigate double teams? Playing off double teams or anchoring down versus a double team? Um, a double team in the run, I'm going to attack one dude. If I attack both guys double teaming me, I'm going to get pushed back. It's just force, right? Mm. It's probably like 500 pounds worth of guys against a 200-pounder, right? Mm-hmm. So as a defensive lineman, make sure you attack one dude, right? Probably, hopefully, the lighter dude or the most outside guy, right? So I attack one dude and throw my hips in the gap, hopefully, right? Mm. And the, another lineman or fullback is probably going to try to bump me out mm-hmm. and climb up to the linebacker mm-hmm. or just straight bull me out, right? So mm. as an undersized guy, it sucks, Right, you just got to get your get off, attack one guy, and anchor down, mm-hmm. and hold your gap. Make sure you don't get blown out because that's the most embarrassing thing when your guy just two dudes just push you back ten yards mm. in film. You're like, what do you say? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Much you can. Not much you can say. So you know, sometimes when it's coming, you just got to be a dog, right? Mm-hmm. Like in run game, be an extra dog and win those double teams. Wow. In um a pass on double teams, if say if I'm a defensive end and the guards coming to help, you can't take the inside rep, mm-hmm. inside rush, right? So you really got to make sure you're either bullying the guy or really beating this guy with speed and getting that get off because you're not going to be able to have the inside rush. Mm. So that's what I would say. Yeah. No, that's that's pretty good advice. I think for us as O-linemen in the run game, if we get a double team, that's pretty favorable for us. Yeah. But for us, it's more so technique than anything else because if that first guy doesn't set that block properly or doesn't get a good piece – you can put the other guy in a really bad position. In run game. Yeah, in a run game. I think um I think continuity with your guard or your tackle, whoever you run like working with is really important. And knowing exactly how they they come off the ball, knowing where their leverage is gonna be, um, are they gonna be thick through it, are they not? So I, I have to get my head across to take over the block eventually. Does he know that? Yeah. So I think in the especially in training camp, I remember just doing a lot of like palm pods with Two O linemen and one D lineman. We had pods every day in yeah, camp. I like that. No, not camp. Sorry, the season. Season. That's what I'm trying to say. You bro, bro, pods every day. That's surprising. 
oh, bro, we were like, at the end of the year, we were in kind pads, of, too? No, no, just in pods, like, in no pads every day, That's and into pads on the day we wore pads. Mm. It got to a point where we kind of like, okay, we're chill, we're chill here, mm-hmm. right? We're not going 100%. <laughs> nah, we're going 100%. No, I know, and you get those guys, and like, oh, it was crazy. Yeah, in camp, there was fights, but, like, we kind of figured it out. Yeah, no, no. See, like, I think the tough part for, I know you guys don't like it, but for us, for us to get good at it, we have to go full speed. You have to do it's it. It's a though. waste of time for us. Like we like, were saying earlier, you have to do it. You have yeah. to compete. You got to go full speed, and uh, you got to do what you're going to do in the game. Yeah, I think for and I, and obviously we all get into that moment where you're tired as camp, but like you have to kind of put to the forefront of your mind is like I'm trying to do this to get better, especially if I'm going with somebody I'm, I play beside. Yeah. Now I need to get this rep. Like I need to get this rep because if we don't get it now. We're going to go to week one, week two, week three, and not be able to do this well. Seriously. Right? Yes, so sir. I know it sucks. You guys don't want to take on double teams and practice. And really, for that, it's like there's no winning for you guys, really. Like No. And you know what's funny, man? We would do pods every day. And then the online coach would say um, a run play with it would, you would do, right? Mm-hmm. Either like as a defensive end, I had my tackle, right? So they mm-hmm. either they'd give the tackle a straight out call to me, which would be a name call, or mm-hmm. he would just go down and I would just 50-50 it, right? Mm-hmm. And every time, right, coach made made him attack me every time. I would never get a 50-50. All year, mm-hmm. he made me play the run. Mm-hmm. Then I went up to him. I was like, why did you do that, man, right? Mm-hmm. Just, he's like, I was trying to make you better. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, look how much better you got in the run yeah. just by me sending this dude at you every day. Yeah. I was like, oh, I appreciate that, coach, now. Because yeah. at first I was like, bro, what? why am I competing so hard every time? And then when Pete went up there, Pete never had a dude play attack him. He just mm-hmm. 50-50'd it. <laughs> in pods in pods every time and then we got to a point Pete was just like laughing like he won't do it ever and I'm mm. like what yeah, sometimes you, when you're that guy bro, when you're that like, guy they just allow you to he didn't even do pods man yeah, like, just 50 and then we would literally laugh he was like that was a great 50-50 mm. and like it would just be 50-50 the D-line to be honest with that D-line group over in Sask from when I was there great group of still yeah, yeah straight group great yeah. group guys that's why I'm gonna miss the boys if they if they don't commit yeah I know it's, it's obviously football but like that's one of the first teams where like we actually generally liked like, yeah we generally liked you guys like, yeah. it wasn't like oh I'm gonna even though you guys hated Marino I didn't hate Marino no no but on the field you hated yeah. him but off the field the greatest guy ever but see like I I understood Marino and like he never did anything to me, so like I didn't really have issues with Marino ever. No, but um, Ferlin did. Him and Ferlin would just go at it. I don't know what it was. Like, Remember the first one on one in camp yes. that year? Well, like he almost broke Ferlin's neck. And then <laughs> like, he was broke. It was a WWE slam. Yeah, like Ferlin blocked him, and then he grabbed Ferlin and like went to like suplex. And him. then the next like, one it was like the same thing, but Ferlin got yeah. him. Yeah, I was like, oh my. god. Gosh, but like Shit. I don't know what it was with those guys. Like they just, and it's funny because when I remember at the beginning of the year we we're just doing some light one on ones. They yeah. seemed like they were chill, like you know, Chilling cool, out, right? laughing back and forth. As soon as those pads got on, it was like, bro, what is going on right now? But the funny thing is that you go to the locker room and, they, and he, Marino would act like nothing happened. Nothing happened, and then and then from like uh, I don't know what should, should say here. Yeah. You just try to kill me. Yeah, but that's how and I tell all people all the time is yeah, if Marino's not on your team. You don't like him, but if he's on your team, he's bro, a beauty. Yeah, great guy. Great guy. He's getting married too here soon. So oh yeah, shout out Marino. Exciting. Garrett Marino, man. Let's get a Garrett Marino story. No, there's no. no, there's no. <laughs> <laughs> bad again, but. So, what do you think is the hardest workout you ever had to do in college or pros or whatever? Man, I remember this one time in the U of R. We had a, a strength coach that would like pretend he was your friend. 
right? He would like always joke around like, hey guys, what's up, man? What's on the weekend? Oh, you did this, right? Try to figure your life out. Mm-hmm. And then he'd switch on you. Mm. Right, so midway during this workout, we were having a great workout, and maybe I was maybe I was screwing around a little bit, right? I was making some jokes and everything, and he was making some jokes back to me, right? I was like, "Oh yeah, we're making some jokes." Right, I'm an 18, 19 year old guy, and maybe like strength conditioning coach of beauty, he's twenty seven year old. Maybe I'm like cool guy, man, right? Mm. I don't know where he snapped. He's like, "Oh, you think this is funny? You think you think we're talking? And this is all fun. You're not trying at all, Nick." I'm like, you were just talking. You were just talking. Right, and I just he just snapped right in front mm-hmm. of me, the whole team. Right, I don't know if he was trying to do a, a thing because I was like maybe a leader or something. I don't know what, mm-hmm. but he made us lunge a hundred yards. Like say lunge, you know when you're just lunge, just lunging hundred yards, mm-hmm. right? But he made our knee hit the ground mm-hmm. every time you went to lunge, and he did us all the way there, all the way back, all the way there, all the way back. And like one point, I just dropped. We all dropped at some point until mm-hmm. all of us couldn't do it no more. Mm-hmm. And then I was—I was actually so pissed. I was generally actually angry at the time because I was like, "No way, this guy actually played me like this. We were friends, right?" Mm. And then he came at the end. He's like, this is, "There's no friends here. It's—it's—it's it's, it's all about work, right?" Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if he was trying to show me something, but it pissed me off so much. <laughs> <laughs> so until yeah, this day, you played it yourself, pissed me off, played myself. So I never was buddy buddy ever again. When I went to workouts, I'm working. Yeah, right. Well, I guess he showed me something. I guess right mm. in a cool kind of way. I think um shout out um soup. Mm. Um, Campbell Antonini, man, he showed me that. One of my coaches back in the day, he owns one of the um, the Sask Brick, not Sask. What is it? What's Brick House? Not Brick House. It's Sask Built. Sask Built. He owns that gym now, right? Okay, so shout okay. out that dude. He showed me a life lesson that day, even though I hated him that day, <laughs> and probably for like a good six months after that, I was like, no way that guy played me. Mm. Uh, that workout will hit me forever, and I'll probably do that to maybe my group of guys one day. You mm. know what I mean? Fuck with them for, I mean, screw around with them for a little bit, and then mm. what? No, we're not friends. You think this is a joke? This is a joke now to you? It's a game? Like, warm him up a little bit, mm-hmm. right? I, I saw how he did it now, and it's a really smart way. Mm-hmm. What about yourself? What workout back in the day, university, high school? And see, I can name so many. I can name so many. So, at OU, our strength conditioning coach was named was Jerry Smith, Smitty. Yeah. And people who know about the legend of Smitty knows that he is one of the most hard-nosed strength and conditioning coaches there is in the whole entire universe. Okay. Right? Like, that's just, you don't play with Smitty. And I've had my fair share of running-ins where it's, we have a workout, I couldn't finish the workout, and he's pissed off, or or we didn't make our time and something. But this one workout stands out to me. So um, I remember at the end of the year, um, well, not the end of the year, end of, like, the summer, um, we're doing our last little bit of stuff where we're kind of seeing our weight and how the we progressed during the summertime. And he said, oh, yeah, we have the final, like, thing we're going to do um, going into camp. And, like, yeah. he didn't really say what it was too, like, tough, so I didn't know what it was. But some people who have been there prior were like, yeah, like, we're about to do the ramp. The ramp. I'm like, what's the ramp? What is he talking about? Yeah, bro, the ramp, bro. Like, it's a crazy workout. Yeah. It's able to do the ramp. Okay, give me a bit. Of, what is the ramp about? So you go to like, a, we had like a five or six story parking garage. I can't remember right now. So we had to run the ramps all the way from the bottom to the top timed um, for like our end of the summer workout. And if you made your time, that was it. If you didn't make your time, you got to go again. Did each position have a different time, obviously? Yeah, each one had a different time. So I remember him telling us at this point, it's super hot. I remember like being out there. We just finished a bunch of other stuff. We did a light lift, and we got to do this ramp now. So this is my first time doing a ramp. So he's like, okay, Biggs, you guys are going. So Ola and D-Line, we're going together. Yeah. There's about 20-something of us. And I see everybody kind of like fighting for the position to like get right beside the wall. 
obviously because it's a shorter distance to run. I didn't understand smart, why. Smart, smart. Super smart. Me not being smart, didn't understand why. So at this time, the ramp is probably a good like 67 yards, 60, 70 yards each way. So we have to do that six times to get to the top. Okay, so. So he blows the whistle. We take off running. And I'm running. I hit the first two, first three. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling good. By the time I got to that fourth one, that lactic acid yeah, built up all of my thighs. My calves were sore. My feet were sore. My back was sore. I think I barely, we think most of us barely squeaked by and made our time. We had a couple guys who failed and had to do it again. Oh. But I remember my the, the way my body felt after that ramp was like, I could not have done another one. I could, I could not have done another one. He would have to scream at me and cuss at me because I would never finish another one of those. Was it the same for everybody too? Oh, everybody was dying. Yeah. Everybody was dying. I remember some people even had to take the, like, the golf cart to the bottom. I knew it was bad. When you know it was a bad workout, when the training staff is right beside you guys yeah. as we're doing the workout. Like they were right there with like, bottles and then some people at the top, some people are halfway through. Yeah. I'm like, they're taking a lot of precaution for this workout. What's going on right now? Yeah. Just to make sure we can get through it. It was like the hardest thing I would say I had ever had to do when I was at OU. What do you think about being put through hard workouts? Because there's people in life that's never been put through a task mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. that had to achieve it knowing that they get cut or knowing that they get fired in their jobs. Yeah. So what would you say to them that going through something like that, what would you achieve? What um, does it achieve? It's a mental thing, man. It's a mental thing. I remember um, when I first got to OU, I was talking to one of the veteran um, Lyman who's been there for a couple of years his name is Ty Darlington and I was like why what's the point of doing all this stuff like yeah. and he's like it's a mental thing we need to see who's mentally tough we need to see who's going to break when things get hard we need to see who's going to give up when things get hard so we can actually know who we can count on yeah. I think the same thing applies to life right? that's why it's good to do tough things know where your limits are mm-hmm. right and my person when things get difficult I'm going to cut bait and run or do I embrace the moment? Do I step up to the challenge? Do I try and um, um, endure through tough times, through hard times? Because those things in life are super important, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's a good thing to learn at a young age. And that's why parents, make your kids do hard things. Like, yeah. don't just protect them and shelter them for everything. Make sure they're doing hard things. Make sure they're getting pushed. Because the better they get at that is the easier they'll be able to navigate life because life is not easy. No, and we always see those adults that haven't been put through those situations at a young age mm-hmm. have a hard time dealing with it when they're yeah. 30 or yes. 40 yes. and they really don't know how to handle it yes. and they truly go through like a traumatic experience. Yeah, and I think that we're all going to go through that time and you want to go through that time when you are 10 to 15 yeah because at least you're there with your family your even though if you don't can, like it right now yeah, they can kind of guide you like going through a really hard workout and don't go to the coach oh it's too hard for me like, hey like talk to your kids hey that was really tough yeah um, did you ever feel like you wanted to quit like inquire those things about Seriously. them and see what they, they how they respond and then encourage them if they do believe that and say like i'm proud proud of you for for continuing to go, a lot of people are quitting that situation. And you'll be surprised yeah. what that will do for your kids' confidence. And let it on the line, maybe they're age 30 and they're going through something that's really tough in life. Maybe they started a business and that's going too great. And their first response isn't to cut big and run. Their first response is what you said to them when they're young. And it's to stand up and fight and, yeah. and scrape and figure it out. And figure it out and, and to grow and develop in that. Because every single person, we're going to go through our battles, whether it's with sports, whether it's with life. And we're going to come out a better person if you want to embrace that moment, right? Yeah. I think that's really important. And I think that the younger you learn that lesson, the better. Because the older you get it, 
it's just more and more traumatic, like you were saying. What do you think the importance of being a versatile D lineman is in today's game? First of all, it's going to get you paid more. Mm-hmm. It's going to get you paid more money. And then you can do multiple things. I've heard a, one thing that a coach told me was, the more you can do, man. And I was like, the more you can do, right? I was like, yeah, like, the more you can do on a football team and contribute to your team, they're going to want to keep you around, mm-hmm. right? So the more you can do like outside of your normal position, Right. If I'm a defensive end, but I can play all the special teams and I can also lawn snap. Right. Mm-hmm. And they can put me in multiple different positions if they really needed me to do it. Mm-hmm. It helps out more when a guy can't do all those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though he's equivalent or a little better than me, because mm-hmm. in the CFL, it's an 18 game season, man. You're going to need guys to be there for 18 games mm-hmm. and someone's going to get hurt at some point. Mm-hmm. Right. So I know everybody looks at being a starter is the biggest thing. But truly being a guy who can be a reserve guy and play any position out there mm-hmm. is truly something special, too. 100%. So just if you're in the CFL or you're in the NFL, you're a professional, regardless of what you're doing, mm-hmm. regardless of what position. You're a PR guy. You're a starter. You're a backup. You play some special teams. You rotate sometimes. You're the sixth man on the offensive line. You're still a professional athlete. 100%. And that's one thing that really hit me a few months ago. I was like, man, I'm still a professional athlete. I'm still mm-hmm. still in the game, still doing my thing. And that if I was looking at myself since a university kid or a high school kid, I'd mm-hmm. be blown away. Mm-hmm. Be blown away. Even though I'm not a starter, I'm not the dude in the CFL, mm-hmm. right? Like we all dream to be. Um, it doesn't change my perspective of being a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. And it's still very hard to be a professional in whatever you do in life. Mm-hmm. So look at what you have in front of you and look what you get to do every day mm-hmm. as a football player, as an athlete, and enjoy the process. Because mm-hmm. it still hasn't ended for me yet, mm-hmm. thankfully, but it ends for a lot of people quicker yeah. than they think. I think you made a really good point. And I think the good point is this, the more you can do because it will extend your career. So you being a person who could – um, play on special teams. You yeah. being a person who can rush the passer. You being a person who can drop back and play an eagle. You being a person who can play in different different spots. Once they're making decisions on who they're going to keep on that roster, if you can do all those things, and it's someone you're going against, really, because we're all competing for jobs. Yeah. And if you can do that and somebody else can't, guess who's going to be on the roster? And that's what I noticed, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to focus so much about being the dude. And that was me in Winnipeg. My first year, I just thought I'm going to be this DN, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to just be a DN. And I f- completely forgot about special teams, completely forgot about everything else, right? Mm-hmm. And I had a really good camp and everything, but it didn't matter, mm-hmm. right? They have their guys. They have their dudes, right? Mm-hmm. And then it really hit me like, okay, if I want to be a professional, I got to figure out different ways to contribute to the team. Yeah. And it's going to happen to a lot of people. Yeah. Not everybody is the damn dude when they go to the CFL. 100%. Or the NFL. That's so it is. Like, there's a couple of different all-star spots, a couple of different Pro Bowl spots in the NFL. Everybody else has to be versatile. Has to be. I think that, especially if we talk about an old lineman, if you were just being like, hey, I only play right guard, it's going to be tough for you to win a job against a guy who plays left guard, right guard, right tackle, left tackle, center, right? Exactly. It just makes more sense because he can fill more hats. It's always one of those things, no matter what position you play, whether you're playing DN, D-tackle, um, all-line, when you're playing center or um, guard or tackle, try to find a secondary or third third um, position that you can actually sharpen your your toolbox put, so you can actually have more uh, versatility and value to the team, right? Exactly. Always try to do more. Never just box yourself to I only play this one position because if you do, you better be damn good at that position. Seriously. So would you tell right tackles to work on your left tackle stances? Yes. As much as I hate flipping and flopping, right, you have to be able to do both, mm-hmm. right? So I look, at, I look at my career. I've started games at three different spots in the CFL now, both guard spots and right tackle, right? Yep. numerous games, right? So that's something that, 
you never really have just one position you're going to play. You're going to play a bunch of different spots because sometimes they have to shuffle a deck. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have a young rookie who they only feel comfortable him playing right guard, so they're like, hey, I need you to flop over here. Yeah, And that happens a lot in the CFL. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Canadian kids that play left tackle in university, mm-hmm. but they come in and they're not being a left tackle in the CFL. They're no. playing guard or center. Mm-hmm. So would you tell those guys, still work on your guards, or do you yeah. learn to snap a little bit just mm-hmm. in case when you get to the professional level, it all switches up on you? I would say any single person who is – um, a lineman learn how to snap at least a little bit. Okay. Um, I think that's one of the hardest positions to replace as a good center. And a lot of times, if you have a veteran guard who can snap, they'll move you in there, right? Yeah. But if you can't snap, then they gotta play a young rookie or somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience playing that position, which is not always the best case. You've been playing football for a long time. What is the best football game that you've ever played in? In terms of environment, in terms of like um, you're playing it, um, the best game you've ever played in. Like just played in, not even solo-wise or like stats-wise, mm. just... Just played in. Just played in? Um, probably my first start in U of R, man. Like mm-hmm. I was an 18-year-old kid, and they didn't start me my first four games. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody got hurt the first game, right? And I was like, oh, okay, they're going to put me in now, right? No, mm-hmm. they put in another kid, right? Then the next game, that kid got hurt. Then they put in another dude in front of me, right? They really mm-hmm. didn't trust me, right, on defense. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I was a teamer again, just like I am in the CFL my first year in um, U of R. And then the fourth game, um, this guy got sick or something, right? So they were like, Nick, we have to play you. Mm. have to play you mm. we actually have to play you <laughs> right and i'm like well okay that sounds great right it was like i was nice like confidence. whatever though right they, i was too light i was like 210 205 right mm. so they thought i couldn't anchor down couldn't be that guy because we played a 30 uh 34 mm. so we had a three front right mm-hmm. so you as a 30 front you want to play anchoring down on the run you mm-hmm. don't want to be a, a faster dude really. yeah so they gave me the chance, and it was against the best team in the pro- in the in the country. Uh, they ended up winning the Vanier that year, which mm. would have been the national championship for the states. Mm. And so that's why they were freaking out, right? They're putting me in, doing that, right? So it's I'm 18 year old. I finally get my first start. I didn't care what anybody was thinking. I knew everybody was thinking I was going to fail and everything. I go in there and I get three sacks. Mm. Three sacks tie the school record for like for sacks in a game, everything as a freshman, right? Mm-hmm. Against the best team in the country, right? And going against the best O-linemen, like O-linemen that are now in the CFL and everything. What's that, Calgary? Calgary. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, Skeevier, those guys at Calgary mm-hmm. right now? And mm-hmm. you think there's another one in Hamilton. But, and I got three sacks that game as an 18-year-old, man, and it changed my life completely. The next game, what do you think happened? Who do you think started the next game when everybody was healthy? You definitely did. I definitely did, right? And then proved a lot of guys wrong. So mm-hmm. it was really cool that people didn't think I could do it. Mm-hmm. And regardless of the three sacks that happened, mm-hmm. that projected my life as a pass rusher and kept me there. Mm-hmm. And it really, like, made me happy. They Just, like, looking back on it, man, I was like, that was the coolest day of my life. Mm-hmm. Proving people wrong and then having a really great game. And we won that game, too. We beat the best. It was like an upset beating Calgary. I know it was a sick environment. And yeah. the thing, and it was a sick environment because like it was at last second. They were, the Calgary was driving the ball, and they they get a touchdown to win, right? Mm-hmm. So it was last play, and they're running the ball, and our guys stop them with the one yard line kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they they score, they won. If they didn't, we stop them with the one, like that kind of game too. Mm-hmm. Like some guy even got the another guy on defense got MVP over me from the three sacks because he got like fifteen tackles. Oh my god! So it was like one of these crazy games that just yeah. happened. And Mitch Pickton, Mitch Pickton, yep. he was on the game too, and he had like four four tuds. It was a crazy game. Pickton's a legend, man. Shout out to Pickton. Yeah, he is. He's a pizza, he's ass freaking legend, man. Mm-hmm. Mitchell Pickton. Yeah. What about you? What was your best game ever as an offensive line? You probably had some many man playing Div One uh, yeah. school atmosphere. I think the probably my f- favorite game is my senior year. Um, we played Tennessee the year prior. We blew them out, 
and now we're going to play at Tennessee. Tennessee's uh, over 100,000 people in the stadium, packed house. It's a primetime game. Um, I think this is the, the first year Baker was actually able to play. He transferred from Texas Tech, um, but he had to sit out that year, but this is before transfer portal. But this year he was actually eligible to play. He's a starter now. And I remember we're just um, preparing for the game. They're telling us the whole week, like, it's going to be super loud. It's going to be loud. It's going to be loud. I remember they even playing um, crowd noise. I'm like, bro, it's not going to be that loud. They're actually just going overboard. Like, I've played in some loud stadiums before, and it's never been this loud. Yep. And when I say it was ever every bit and more that loud, it was the most crazy environment I've ever played in. I remember um, – Every time you got to third down, they'll have a big like thing that was third down for what, and like a big bong, and the cr- like the crowd would erupt and go crazy. I remember like, you can hear, I, you could feel the atmosphere on your skin. That's how like crazy that environment was. And I remember like just going in, like we started slow, we're down a half, well, offense, we weren't clicking at all. Um, it got to the fourth quarter where we like, okay, it's now or never. If we don't do this, we're gonna lose this game. We ended up driving and scoring, and then we had another drive to score and, and uh, tie the game to send it to overtime. We had, I want to say that it was like a 15, 20 play drive. I remember I was so gassed at the end of it, so tired. We go, we punch it in. Um, uh, Baker keeps it, scores. We're going to overtime. Uh, we go to OT. We get the ball first. I want to say we score. And then they throw a pick. We storm the field. Yeah. Win and double overtime. It was a, such a fun game, such a fun environment. Um, yeah, and that propelled us to go all the way to the Final Four that year. That was that, was that game. So Yeah, I couldn't even imagine something yeah. like that. That's crazy. Yeah, I think that was probably the my first, like, I've obviously played in games prior to that, but a stadium that big and that loud was like, wow, this is insane. Yeah, Pepsi yeah. for the NFL, though. Yeah, you know I know. I, mean? I think, it, well, I think some NFL stadiums are smaller than some of these college stadiums now. Yeah. Especially in the SEC, they pride themselves on these big, massive stadiums for recruiting purposes, right? For sure. Yeah. They all want to say, we have the biggest stadium. We hold the most people. That's they fill it up, though. They do fill it up. Yeah. They do fill it up. So, yeah, that's probably the most entertaining, fun game. That's a game I'm always going to remember until the day that I leave this earth. But um, Cool, man. Yeah. Cool. Such a fun one. Okay, well, let's wrap this up. If you guys like this lawn format conversation with me and Josiah, let us know in the comments so we can make more of these. Let us know what are the best games you played in, man. Like, I want to hear some of your stories um, or places you want to go play or stadiums you want to go see. Um, put it in the comments. We can talk about it some more.